Oh, oh, oh. 
du jetzt im Hadel. Wo ich gehe, wo ich stehe, hab ich von dir zorres. Wo ich mit deinem ist, ist ich eines, wo ich alles, wo ich mach schon besorres. Du hast dir in deinem Posten klemm. So tage die Teure, dass sie wohl immer ja sie haben. Bin ich allemal, 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 mein Tatensackit. Ich bin seine, seine und nicht deine. In der Schäfe, im Himmel ist du. Ich bin seine, jo, jo. Hi, hi, du jetzt hörst. Oi glei, bei mas chavas habrie, wenn die Welt ist gewähnt, noch jung. Aus der Scheu gemacht nach Hurben, mit ein scharfen Zug. Nodam und habe sie beiden, vertrieben von Ganeiden. Und also zieht sich es schon in tausend Jahr. Du nimmst gar nicht kein Vacation, du bist starker Ipon. Ober Balde, 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 Leitzerol. Wenn die Kuh im Bett, wo sie steht, in dem Seferol. Oh, sieh, der Kuh, der Schwede, Kuh. Er mit dem, mit dem, mit dem Schermen.
in the AM. Well, you got treated to a nice medley of music from Avramo, from Avram Freed, and there was a reason for that. <laughs> we were we were preoccupied in this building trying to assure that the uh, radio program was actually on the air. Uh, I got to take this opportunity to thank all the listeners who alerted us to the fact that uh, we were having trouble, that the radio show was not uh, doing what it was supposed to be doing, was not actually getting on the air at 91.1 FM. And our amazing uh, other radio stations and everywhere else it was supposed to be. Uh, I'll thank listener Andy first because he was the first person to alert us to it that we were having uh, major problems. So thank you, listener Andy, and thanks everybody who called in. And here we are. I hope you enjoyed that incredible, and I mean incredible, uh, medley of uh, Avremo selections off of the brand new CD entitled Amachaya. Before that, Mayor Sherman, our Monday morning theme song, Masacha Shem Regish, of course. Modani opening things up, as you would suspect. And we say good morning and a guten chodesh. It's a Monday on this November 4th, the first day in the month of Kislev. Today, in fact, is the second day of Rosh Chodesh Kislev. Hope your Rosh Chodesh is going well so far. And I hope you're getting ready. Getting ready for the big holiday. Chanukah, believe it or not, is just uh, three and a half weeks away. Not even a half. Three weeks and two days. So we get to start celebrating Hanukkah, which is always fun, nice, and wonderful. So I hope your Rosh Chodesh Kislev is putting a big smile on your face. Don't forget all the traditional additions for Rosh Chodesh. That includes a Yalaviavo and Hallel, special Torah reading, Musaf, Barachinavshi, etc., etc., whatever, can, uh, whatever uh, is added to your traditional tefillah, your traditional uh, prayer service. That's what gets uh, added today. Uh, on this uh, Rosh Chodesh uh, morning, 6.36, Daylight Savings Time is over. It is now Eastern Standard Time, 6.36 Eastern Standard Time, 24 minutes before 7 o'clock, even though the clock in our studio still says uh, <laughs> what it's not supposed to say, <laughs> that it's already 7.36 in the morning. Uh, but it's really 6.36, and uh, welcome to a JM in the AM Monday. If you ran the New York City Marathon yesterday on Rosh Chodesh, congratulations. You're a big winner if you finish that race, I can tell you that much. And I'm sure a lot of folks out there did, in fact, finish. So congratulations on that. We're actually going to uh, hear an amazing story of a marathon runner from Israel. You may have read about him over the last couple of days. We're going to spend some time on that in the 7 o'clock hour. Um, uh, if you were at the Shluchim conference last night, and we had a wonderful bar mitzvah last night, so I could not spend all the time I wanted to online watching the Shluchim conference, but the, the time that I did spend was really inspiring. Chabad Shluchim from around the world uh, converging on uh, Brooklyn, New York, and enjoying an inspiring evening. 
I think I tuned in the second Joe Lieberman finished, which was pretty frustrating, but hey. I'm sure at some point I'll watch it online. Anyway, here we are, uh, here we are on a Monday at JM in the AM. We'll do a little politics today because there is a, uh, an election coming up. We'll uh, check out what's happening with the big Deershoe Shabbos this coming Shabbos. That's a big event that is happening. And, um, and uh, we will uh, discuss this uh, amazing uh, accomplishment yesterday of a New York City marathon runner who's uh, from Israel. Do all that coming up on a Monday as we head back to school and back to work on this Rosh Chodesh morning. Thanks for tuning in to 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, and around the world in the web, jmtheam.org.
On Rosh Chodesh morning with Menucha and Yehiyah Chodesh Hazeh. You heard Dove Hendler with Yehiyah Chodesh Hazeh. Baruch Levine had Kihu. Mayor Sherman with Yehiyah Chodesh Hazeh. Moshe Laufer with Nigun Simcha off Chabad with Moshe Laufer volume 2. We'll dedicate that to all the Shluchim who are in for last night's amazing Shluchim conference in Brooklyn, New York. Monday at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, around the world on the web, jmnam.org. We've got Galit Sal in the background. News from Israel coming up. I want to thank the listeners who just under an hour ago informed us that uh, something was going a little haywire with our presentation of our radio show, technically speaking. Uh, listener Andy, thank you, and everybody else who called in. Always important if you think things are uh, a little off, technical-wise, that uh, you let us know. And I greatly appreciate everybody who took the time 
and made the effort to call in or uh, contact us in whatever way. Rosh Chodesh morning on this November 4th, the first day of Kislev, the month of Hanukkah. 32 degrees, mostly sunny, a high temperature of 48. Plenty coming up. We'll talk some politics. After all, Election Day is tomorrow. We'll meet a, a very interesting and heroic New York City Marathon runner from yesterday and a whole bunch more happening here on a JM in the AM Monday as we head back to school and back to work. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Monday follows next. It's JM in the AM. ראש ארגון הפשע אבי רוחן נעצר בחשד למעורבות בחיסול הכפול שהיה לפני כשלושה חודשים בצומת ירקונים. הדס שטייף עם הפרטים. ביולי האחרון נרצחו שני עבריינים כתוצאה ממטען חבלה שהוטמן במכוניתם והתפוצץ בצומת ירקונים. הבוקר נעצר אבי רוחן, ראש ארגון פשיעה, המקורב ליצחק אברג'ל ואדם נוסף בחשד למעורבות ברצח הכפול ההוא. השניים, המחישים את מעורבותם, מובאים בשעה זו להערכת מעצר בבית משפט השלום ברמלה. מהומה בוועדת הפנים של הכנסת במהלך דיון שעסק בעליית יהודים להר הבית. חבר הכנסת ג'מאל זחלקה ואחמד טיבי התעמתו עם יושבת ראש הוועדה, חברת הכנסת מירי רגב. אתם פרומנים! אתם לא עובדים היום! להוציא את כל מי שלא רוצה להיות בדיון? אנחנו רוצים להמשיך כתבנו יותם ברגר מוסר שבעקבות המהומה הוצא טיבי מהדיון ואחריו נטשו גם שאר חברי הכנסת הערבים. עוד לפני כן אמר סגן שר הדתות אלי בן דהן כי פנה לרבנים הראשיים בבקשה להתיר הלכתית ליהודים לעלות להר, ואם היא תאפשר זאת יגבש המשרד נהלים חדשים. כיום יהודים שמבקשים להתפלל שם מעוכבים לחקירה. ראש הממשלה בנימין נתניהו תוקף את הגינוי הפלסטיני להודעת ישראל על בנייה בירושלים ואומר הסכמנו איתם שהם משחררים אסירים וממשיכים לבנות. אם הם לא יכולים אפילו לעמוד מאחורי ההסכמים שהשגנו, מה יקרה בנושאים הגדולים יותר שיחייבו אותם לעימותים גדולים בהרבה עם דעת הקהל בחברה שלהם? אמר נתניהו בריאיון לערוץ i24 News והוסיף, אם אתה רוצה להנהיג, קום ועשה את הדברים הקשים. כמה מהתביעות מתביעות הביטוח אכן נענות. לראשונה משרד האוצר מפרסם את הנתונים. יונה לייבזון מדווחת. על פי נתוני אגף שוק ההון והביטוח בתביעות רכב חובה, מתוך למעלה מ-56,000 תביעות שהוגשו, כ-2% בוטלו, ו-74% הושגה פשרה ו-13% התקבלו. 93% מהתביעות שהוגשו לבית המשפט הסתיימו בפשרה. בביטוח הדירה 71% מהתביעות אושרו, ובביטוח תכולת הדירה אושרו 83%. והתחזית לסיום, עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות. אלה החדשות שעורך הדר שיפר.
J.M. in the A.M. Eitan Katz. Kuma off of Ushmol Bukhari Shmo. Mordechai Ben David before that. Uh, off the Kula Mahuvim CD. <clears throat> J.M. in the A.M. Ira Geiger is with us uh, live via telephone. He is uh, running for Union County uh, Freeholder. And a lot of our listeners, of course, are based in Union County, New Jersey. Election Day is tomorrow, and uh, when we found out that somebody from our community is uh, running, we thought we'd give him a minute or two on the air. Ira Geiger, welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. 
How does one decide to run for Union County Freeholder? Okay, well, this was not my idea. I was <laughs> approached by a few people to go ahead and do it, and I figured, you know, I'm asked to do it. It's a chesed that I go out there and help people in the community. How does it look, by the way? How has this campaign been going so far? Um, it's been very stressful, but and Union County has not elected a Republican freeholder in 15 years. Wow. But we believe this is the year that it will happen because I am running on the same line as Governor Christie. Mm. So I'm hoping that people will vote all the way down the line. Well, he seems to be pretty popular for some reason in this state, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Ira Geiger with us live via telephone. How many freeholders are there in Union County? There are nine freeholders. Three are up for re-election each year. So you're running with a group uh, with two other Republicans uh, on that uh, uh, tomorrow on the uh, ballot. Yes, Mark how, Krause and Mark Martini. All right, and uh, how has the reaction been in our community? I, I mentioned the reason that you've been invited on the air is because uh, you're representing our community. Are people excited that somebody uh, w- will have the potential to actually get onto the? Uh, Union County uh, Freeholder Board, and maybe uh, help out our community in some way. Yes. Um, the from, from community is very receptive to my candidacy. And the from community in Union County consists of Union, Elizabeth, Linden, Hillside, Ooh. and I believe Stanwood. More significant than I thought. Um, all right. How do people get information? They go to your Facebook page? County Republican freeholder candidate. If you live in Union County, everybody, not that we would ever endorse a candidate, but we find it uh, interesting when a member of our community is looking to uh, make a difference and represent our community and uh, the entire county. Uh, The Union County Republican freeholder candidates, you can get information on that Facebook update page. That's what it's called, Union County Republican freeholder candidates. Ira Geiger is running with Mark Krause and Mark Martini, and as you heard Ira say, because of the setup this year with the uh, governor's expected landslide re-election, it could be, uh, it very well could be that uh, there will be a Republican for the first time in years uh, on the Union County Freeholder Board. Anything people need to know? What time do those polls open tomorrow in New Jersey? They open at 6 a.m. and they close at 8 p.m. All right, and uh, we wish you the best of luck, Ira. Thank you very much. Ira Geiger running for Union County Repub- uh, Union County Freeholder. As a Republican tomorrow, and uh, like I said, he is somebody from uh, our community in Union County, and um, if you choose to, you could look for him on the Republican side of the ballot. Rosh Chodesh morning on a Monday. This is JM in the AM as we continue with God Elbaz. <laughs> רוצה לשכוח מציאות לבנות בשקט עוד עולם של מנוחה מהמחק של השלמה עם השנים אני תמיד נשאר חזק כשהשמיים משתנים
צועד בטוח בדרכי, כל הפחדים יופסו בזמן, אותו האור בחלומי, ייקח אותי הרחק מכאן, ומעכשיו יהיה לי טוב, אני אתן את כל כולי, אמצע כאן בשבילי, את החיוך המאושר. ועכשיו יהיה לי טוב, ארגיש את האור בנשמתי, ועם הכוח שאיתי, אגשים חלום שלא J.M. in the A.M., that's God Elbaz, with a um, selection off of his CD entitled Milim Shoruach. That's called Yehiyeli Tov. J.M. in the A.M., Monday. Well, today's Rosh Chodesh, but tomorrow's Election Day. And here we are at 7.20 in the morning, Eastern Standard Time, and I felt that I cannot possibly allow Election Day to occur without speaking to uh, this gentleman on the air just as a debt of gratitude for the amazing and incredible encouragement he always gives us, but even more importantly for what he has done for the Jewish community, uh, not just in Brooklyn, not just where he serves, but really everywhere to an extent. Uh, New York City Councilman David Greenfield has been uh, simply a very effective New York City Councilman during his uh, term 
in the council, and I just discovered, <laughs> I just discovered a few days back that uh, he is uh, seeking re-election. I guess I just discovered it now because, uh, frankly, I think his re-election is assured, but I didn't want, uh, again, election day to go by without encouraging everybody, everybody to remember uh, what he has done for our community. New York City Councilman David Greenfield, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you so much. Good morning. Can I assume this has not been a difficult campaign for you? Listen, we take nothing for granted. And uh, Baruch Hashem, I think that's sort of our philosophy that allows us to deliver results. And I think the, the, the concern that we have, and I actually wrote an op-ed about it this morning in Hamodia, the Daily Hamodia, on page 4, is that especially because so many races in New York City seem like a foregone conclusion, right. that many people in the community will skip the election not realizing that more important than who you vote for is the fact that you actually vote and send the message that the Jewish community is engaged and the Jewish community actually cares about elections and holds elected officials accountable. No question, and we'll be encouraging people uh, today and much more so tomorrow to remember to go out and vote no matter where they are, no matter where they are in the U.S. It's important to show up uh, to the polls. But uh, there's a reason that... Um, there's a reason why the likelihood is that your re-election is assured, and that is because you've done quite a job. Now, you have to admit, uh, I, I believe you'd admit, that uh, your predecessors set a good example in terms of how to serve in the city council. I think we had some effective people in that seat, but I think you have left your own mark on all this. So what would you say are some of the highlights that you're most proud of over the last couple of years? Well, first of all, as you well know, my predecessor, who's currently a New York State Senator, Sim Felder, was the one who encouraged me to run for the seat. Right. He's a very dear friend of mine. And the first thing, of course, is that I continued his legacy in terms of parks in the community. Senator Felder made it an important priority to make sure that we had uh, outstanding parks. And it's something we take for granted in urban areas, especially in a place like Brooklyn. I'm very proud in the last three years I've brought back $15 million to improve every single park in my neighborhood. And that's something that I think is uh, we're really seeing an incredible benefit from. In fact, we're breaking ground on the first new park in the community in over 100 years. Wow. And then another major priority of mine has been funding for seniors and senior centers. I think it's just a basic concept of Hakaras Hatov, recognition of the good that seniors have done for us, that we owe it to them, that once they get older, take care of them. And, you know, I'm very proud to chair New York City Council's Senior Center Committee. I'm prouder of the fact that uh, last year there was an attempt to shut down four kosher senior centers in New York. And not only did we keep the centers open, but I actually managed to secure more funding for those centers. Wow. And then uh, finally, pragmatic stuff, right? You know, the biggest frustration for anybody who lives in New York City, and I'm sure many of your ex-New York City residents, uh, will smile when I speak about this, and that is parking, <laughs> especially the challenge of parking tickets. And uh, I've actually passed a package of laws in the last few years that make it easier to park and lower your likelihood of getting a ticket. Uh, my most famous law, for those of you who live in New York or used to live in New York City, you might remember this, is that on alternate side parking days, if you parked on the wrong side of the street, even accidentally, and even if you had the greatest excuse in the world, like one of my constituents whose wife was giving birth and therefore went with her to the hospital, <laughs> when he came back with their beautiful baby boy, they came back to celebrate and realize that one of these big, ugly, yellow stickers was stuck on their car. Right. This has been sort of a New York...
York tradition for years. And people said, nah, there's no way you can get rid of it. In fact, the city of New York gave out 100,000 of those impossible-to-remove stickers. It didn't seem fair. You know, you're basically telling someone you're guilty until proven innocent, and even if you are, you can't get rid of those stickers. you kind of got to scrape them off, and everybody had their own way of doing it. We actually banned those stickers in New York City. I'm actually proud of that. And on a practical level, we've made uh, incredible reforms just locally on parking. We have a five-minute grace period that allows you to walk to the muni meter and come back, and so that way you don't get a ticket. In fact, a funny story, actually. Uh, you may know him, Shimon Gifter, who's a local uh, yeah, sure. photojournalist. Right. The other day he was in my district, and uh, he actually saw me walking to the meter. And on my way back, I actually got one of those tickets. And uh, uh, in my particular case, because we passed the law, uh, we're going to be able to dismiss that ticket. And also the portability of Munimeter receipts uh, as well. And so we've done some really just basic grassroots stuff. We've funded organizations to clean the community, to clean our major avenues. And so I think quality of life is an important issue that uh, especially if you live in New York City, you can never take for granted. New York City Councilman David Greenfield will be on the ballot tomorrow. Excuse my ignorance, I'm not in your district. How many lines? One Democratic line or other lines? Or So no, I actually I, I uh, am a rear Democrat who is endorsed by the Conservative Party cool. because of my uh, strong stance on uh, family and moral values. So I'm actually running on the Conservative line running on the Democratic line, and I'm also running on the Independence line. So, you know, uh, vote early and vote often could mean vote for me on several lines, but don't do that, because what happens is if you vote on more than one line, uh, they don't actually count the ballot. So you just want to pick one, whichever one you like, and just stick to it. You're citing a famous expression. You're not making a recommendation. No, uh, certainly not. One of the most important things, and one of the things that I think voters always look to, is... Um, relationships that our government leaders have with other government leaders. Uh, frankly, are you happy with the uh, with the camaraderie in the New York City Council? Are you, get, are you getting along with everybody, David? So I think I do get along with everyone, although I will tell you that obviously there are political differences, right? I mean, right now what's happening in the New York City Council is there is something of a split where uh, effectively there's, there's a new, relatively new group called the Progressive Caucus, which essentially are... Uh, very liberal Democrats who sort of focus on those issues. I actually uh, am, am a leader in the more moderate caucus, and so we certainly have uh, our differences, but there are important public policy issues in terms of how things engage. But I, I will say that uh, we have a very good relationship, and uh, I actually uh, am the only freshman who was elected to a leadership position as the chairman of the Brooklyn delegation. Wow. And that uh, respect. Brooklyn, as you know, has the most council members because in Brooklyn we have the largest population. So we have 16 council members. Each of us represent approximately 160 or 170,000 people. And my colleagues actually elected me to chair the Brooklyn delegation and to serve as their representative on the city's budget negotiating team to negotiate the $70 billion budget. So I think I've uh, built a very collegial relationship with my colleagues and uh, certainly have earned the respect of my colleagues, which I think is really the most important thing that you can do. Yeah, well, you know how important that is, that's for sure. So is this it? Do you get to serve one more term, and that's it because of term limits? No, actually. Um, this, in fact, would be my first full term in the city council, ah. uh, if elected, and that uh, will allow me to serve four years. And then from there, uh, you know, always have the potential of uh, running again and uh, hopefully serving more in the future. And i got to tell you, it's, it's certainly 
say there's no question that being a any elected official, but especially in, in New York City, and if you want to do it right, it's a challenging job. We work from very early in the morning till very late at night. Uh, I told my wife the other night, I said, listen, so I know, Baruch Hashem, the elections are going to be over soon, and I'll be going back to the normal schedule. So she rolled her eyes. Yeah, he'll be coming home at 11 o'clock at night <laughs> instead of 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it's been rough, huh? <laughs> <laughs> listen, it's certainly a lot of work, but uh, it's a great opportunity. I mean, the idea... Especially, I represent the largest Orthodox Jewish district in the United States of America, and we certainly have issues that impact the community in terms of yeshiva and busing and housing and obviously other challenges that we work on. And those are significant challenges, and it's just it's the kind of thing that when you have these issues that come up, it's very difficult to just say, well, okay, it's 5 o'clock, I'm going to go home now, uh, when the reality is that you're dealing with issues that impact literally tens of thousands of people, and, and more than that, because when you introduce legislation in the city of New York, you're actually impacting eight and a half million people. Right. And so it's something that you get wrapped up in, but it's, it's a great opportunity. And I'll tell you, the thing that I'm really proudest of is that we really have outstanding constituent services. It's a technical term, but I call it customer service. You know, I joke that we run our office like a pizza shop. Right. If you can buy pizza, you can come to us. We're open every day from 9 to 6. We're open on Thursdays. 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. It's one of those things, by the way, that other elected officials said, nah, there's no way you can do it, it's impossible. But we realize that a lot of people, they work, right, and after hours they want an opportunity. So one day a week on Thursday we're open for 12 hours so that people can have the opportunity after hours to come in and get their issues resolved. We're open on Fridays and even on holidays. I always found this as a pet peeve that, you know, on government holidays like Columbus Day, which is a holiday that... Uh, almost nobody celebrates except for government employees that the government shuts down while you were working. And right. so Columbus Day, Thanksgiving, Christmas, we're open on these holidays to serve our constituents under that uh, customer service pizza shop model. And we serve literally thousands of constituents a year to work hard on their behalf, and we have a very high success rate in terms of helping them with their problems. Well, that is what you've become known for, and uh, it's much appreciated, believe you me. And, and I hope you're not... Uh, either upset or feel slighted that I'm not asking you about uh, your choices for the citywide races. I think a lot of people are already familiar with your choices. This is really an invitation to thank you, because I want to tell you, on the subject of uh, working hard and providing for your constituents, I am not your constituent, and yet I can cite in the last couple of years multiple times that your staff took our concerns, and especially our studio in New York City's concerns, and dealt with it as if we were their constituents. So I just wanted to thank you. I asked you to come on this morning to remind everybody the actual on the ballot. I don't want it to be a surprise to anybody. I want everyone who appreciates your service to get out there and uh, and pull the lever or do whatever you do now with those pieces of paper. You know, <laughs> that code. You, you now have to fill in a, a very small circle. And uh, listen, I appreciate it. I'll tell you, there's two things that uh, that we do, which is somewhat unique. The first is I have a good neighbor policy, which is that if you live somewhat in close proximity to my neighborhood, even if you're not exactly my constituent. We'll help you out anyways because, right. hey, it's not your fault that you live on the wrong side of the street. And the <laughs> second issue is that when it comes to communal issues, it doesn't matter whether the issue uh, is something that's in my district or in a different neighborhood. Uh, we'll always weigh in and be helpful. And so obviously whenever you've had an issue with the studio in Manhattan, we've been happy uh, to help for that reason. And even recently, you know, I, I'm, I'm engaged in a fight with the uh, city's Human Rights Commission over uh, several stores in Williamsburg that got tickets. They got fined for having signs requesting their customers 
uh, dress uh, modestly. Right. And uh, I spoke to the commissioner about this. I said, listen, I don't understand. You know, I've actually been invited uh, to speak in places like the Harvard Club. You cannot walk in there without a full suit, jacket, and a tie. And if you did, they would say, hey, we're so sorry. So why are you treating these stores any differently? And she didn't really have a good answer. And so some people told me, why are you getting involved in Williamsburg issues? Uh It's not a Williamsburg issue. Uh The only Orthodox Jewish councilman in the city of New York, if there is an issue that impacts my community, I'm certainly going to weigh in, and I'm going to weigh in heavily in favor of the community to make sure that our community is uh, respected. It's one of the reasons that you're so appreciated. By the way, you know I can't resist. I said I'm not asking you for endorsements, but you know me when you come on the air. I'm so curious, and uh, only answer if you've made this public already. How are you voting on Proposition 1? I'm so curious with the casinos. Ooh, have, wow. you made, have you made a decision yet? You're trying to get me in trouble here, aren't you? Well, is that, is that a problem? If you would take one side, then there would be a whole mob of people upset about the... Uh, uh, no matter which side you take, you would face a tremendous amount of opposition? So I mean, opposition I- one has upsides and downsides, right, right? correct. The upside, as you recall, is that I spent a lot of time, a lot of time lobbying against uh, casinos in New York City. Correct. And I uh, was very part of a broad coalition. And so, on the one hand, Proposition 1 actually keeps New York City free from casinos. Correct. Right, which is something that's significant, something that I think... It is important because I really believe, and I think the studies show, that in dense urban populations like New York City mm-hmm. or Atlantic City, for example, right. when you have casinos, guess what happens? You've got crime that comes along with it. Right. So they've done that carve-out, which I certainly, uh, certainly appreciate. And then what you have is, obviously, they're looking at the possibility of putting casinos upstate, which might put them in some communities that are close to large Jewish communities uh, that are concerned and I would say that globally, and I think that we tend to be a little bit naive about these issues when people say, oh, casinos. We actually have the equivalent of casinos right now in, in, in New York State. First of all, we have several on Indian reservations. And uh, we have what is known as racinos, right? There's a very large one, for example, uh, in Queens at the Aqueduct. And it's not like we don't have gambling uh, in New York. But it's sensitive because I think that uh, folks... Uh, who would live potentially too close to a casino, certainly uh, are legitimate to be concerned about that. All right, I, I appreciate that because I, I, I didn't realize how sensitive an issue it is. I happen to be on the no side. I think years ago I was more on the pro side because of my social libertarianism that I continue to fake uh, having. But uh, but I am. Uh, but now I'm. I'm I, my my theory now. Forget about. I mean, just putting aside the direct effect on our community. I just think you know. A casino on every block at this point is just ridiculous. So that, that's basically Yeah, my I hear answer. you. But in all fairness, it wouldn't authorize more than uh, seven or so casinos in the state of New York. And most people only expect that you're going to have three or four. Right. And it's a big state. They need and a half million people. Yeah, so I understood. Think that if it's going to be in your backyard, I think it's a legitimate concern. How are you voting on six with the uh, raising the judge's um, uh, age limit? You know, you could... It's always bothered me, like, you know, and I think maybe because I'm sensitive to this because... Uh, Despite the fact that I'm relatively young, I chair the Senior Center Committee. It just seems like such ageism, the idea that uh, they established in the 1800s. Remember when the average life expectancy was around 43 years old? They said that you cannot serve as a judge until the age of 70, thinking who the heck is going to live until 70, right? And right now, like 70 is the prime of your life. Many people are out there, they're working, they're active, doctors, lawyers, accountants, 
Uh, it doesn't make sense that we should shut people down from being judges at the age of 70. Of course, you want to make sure that people are in good health, and which is part of the legislation. But I'm a big fan of uh, Proposition 6 that would raise the age limit from 70 to 80 uh, for those folks who are judges and would like to continue to serve. And there's a process every two years to make sure that they're capable of doing so. And remember, uh, in the federal government, and I was having this debate with someone the other day, in the federal government, a judge can actually serve for life. Justice Scalia is 77 years old. Right. Have you ever heard anyone saying, hey, let's throw him off the bench? No, you're right on that. All right, you may have swayed me a bit on this one, okay? Because <laughs> I'm ready to vote no, but you may have swayed me a bit, Mr. Greenfield. Why? Why no? I, I just think that, you know, enough is enough, 70 years old, you know, like, but you've just made the case that... that oh, Nachum, you're going to get in trouble. I, you know, you put a shout out there out there for how many of your listeners who are 70 and over who are actively employed No, I, doing great I, work. I, and I think anybody in that capacity should be actively employed, but the, you know, like, the, I, I don't know, do we... Do we, as a society, do we have an obligation to keep somebody in their job until the age of 80? It's not, it's 70 is not the question. It's not, it's it's not an obligation. It's that you're losing experienced judges. And the reality is it's actually very difficult these days to find good people who want to become judges because the pay is never what you could make in the private sector. And if, so you have somebody who's been a judge for 20, 30, 40 years. They, in most cases, they've got a certain set of wisdom and skills. And remember... It's not like they're in charge of running marathons, right? They're judges. They have to write, and they've got to make rulings. And wisdom is uh, sort of the one, and experience uh, are, are sort of the areas that you probably would like to see if you had a good judge. Like I said, you may have swayed me a bit on this one. <laughs> Listen, good luck tomorrow, and thank you for everything. Good luck. I believe the community really owes you for the way you fight and the way your staff fights for so many issues that affect us, even if we're not directly in your district. So, David, all I could say is call a vote to you. Fight on, uh, continued good luck, and good luck tomorrow. I hope it's a big celebration for you tomorrow night. Thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate it, and uh, I thank you, and I want to thank uh, everybody out there. And, uh, you know, I just want to ask, because I think it's important that you do so, it's a privilege to serve, and I'm asking folks to reelect me, Councilman David Greenfield, tomorrow. And uh, I think it's important regardless, and uh, this is a very important message I just want to leave people with, and I know that especially in the mayor's race, some people uh, say, hey, you know, I don't love all the candidates. The most important thing from our community perspective, and something that you and I have discussed literally for years, is you got to go out and vote. And yep. Even if you're not happy, I tell people if you have no choice, skip one particular race or fill in a writing candidate so people know that you actually exist. But today, we literally have the technology where we can get it down block by block by block to see who voted, and elected officials do the same thing. And if they see that a community doesn't vote, they're not going to say, oh, the community is not going to happy. What they're going to say is, well, that community doesn't matter, and they're going to start ignoring the community, and we can't have that happen in our community, no matter where you live in the United States of America. So please come out and vote tomorrow. Very important. Thank you, David. Good luck again. Thanks so much. New York City Councilman David Greenfield, of course, based in Brooklyn, New York. He is running tomorrow, and I'm glad we were able to get him on the air this morning here at JMAM. Rosh Chodesh morning, Monday, way Way, way behind schedule for Rabbi David Goldwasser. His words are Chenishmasa Rav Zebnev Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. As we enter into the month of Kislev, Rav Tzadok Akoin comments that the name Kislev tells of confidence, inner strength, fortitude, as we learn in the Pasuk and Eov, if I have made gold my hope and have said to the fine gold, you are my confidence. We realize that the word kessel is related to the word kisoi, or covering, 
being guarded. The Ibn Ezra says that the word kesel means a walking staff or a crutch to lean on. Kislev is a month when historically the entire spiritual future of the Jewish people was at stake. We realize that it was one of the darkest times in Jewish history, a time when the Maccabees rose up and were able to rededicate the Beis Hamikdash. Rashi says that Kessel means hope. It comes from planning, like we learn, for Hashem will be your support. One of the great inspirational themes and one of the main functions of the month of Kislev is to strengthen our Amunah Hashem and to hope in the complete Geula Shalema. The sign of the bow also connotes hope, faith, yearning of the Neshama. Kislev is also related to the word Kilayon, or pining, hoping for, that was revealed during Hanukkah. The Svasemes says that I waited patiently for Hashem, and He inclined toward me and heard my cry. B'nai Yisrael never loses their faith in Hashem. Our neshamos, our spirituality, constantly yearns for us to grow higher and higher. It's like the arrow. It pushes forth from the bow. It continues to go further and further. And so too, the Greek oppression of the inner soul of Klal Yisrael was that which pushed us to strive for higher heights and eventually win over our oppressors. It's interesting to note that the word chetz, or arrow, is the letter ches and tzaddik. Ches and tzaddik symbolize life, chius, and righteousness, tzidkis. When you fully spell it out, ches, tav, tzaddik, dalid, yud, and kuf, their gematria, or numerical value, is 612. It is the same as the word bris, the covenant, the power of rising up. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you Morning Chizik. Have a nice day. Shabbat Shalom.
In the AM, that is um, Shlomi Daska with Shema Israel here on a uh, Monday morning. Hey, I want to wish a Mazel Tov to the young Israel Passaic Clifton, Rabbi Glasser, and everybody at the young Israel and Passaic 
They had the groundbreaking of their brand new building yesterday. Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Also want to wish a Mazal Tov to Yisrael Gut. Yisrael Gut celebrated his bar mitzvah last night. He is our cousin from Brooklyn, New York. And to uh, Shmuel and Esther and the entire family, we say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. It was great being there last night and celebrating in Flatbush, Brooklyn. Very nice young man, Yisrael. Uh, well, Michelle Napel is with us live via telephone. I'm going to give her a chance to catch her breath. Uh, we had a little bit of a mix-up this morning. Um, and uh, instead of her and a very special guest being here in our studio, they are in New York City and uh, will join us live via telephone in just a moment. Yesterday was the marathon, so, you know, they got to catch their breath. <laughs> Uh, the story is a remarkable one, and I'm sure a lot of people saw this in some of the newspapers and the different um, web accounts over the weekend. Uh, back in uh, 2009, Aaron Karov's doctors uh, thought he might not survive the injuries that he sustained in Israel's caste-led military operation in Gaza. This goes back to 2009. Paratroop platoon commander's aide, he was badly wounded when a booby-trapped house he and other soldiers were searching, collapsed on them. He was wounded in the head, face, and chest. He required several extensive surgeries, months of grueling rehab therapy. Karov doctors, Karov's doctors doubted he would ever run again, and guess what? Yesterday, he ran in the ING New York City Marathon wearing a one-family T-shirt. And uh, this is one remarkable story. This whole episode, by the way, occurred... Um, Right after his wedding, literally uh, right after his wedding day, he was called into service. And uh, this is uh, what happened during what was supposed to be obviously a celebratory time in his life. Michelle Nepal is with us live via telephone from one family and um, joins us here on a Monday morning broadcast. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good morning, Nachum. How are you? Good morning. I apologize that things didn't work out so that you could be in our studio, but this is a pretty remarkable story, so I'm glad you could at least tell it via telephone. Michelle is director of the United States Operations for One Family, which is Israel's largest national organization dedicated solely to the rehab of victims of terror and their families. She is joined by a very prominent guest, and we'll explain that in just a moment. Information about all of this, you can go to onefamilytogether.org. That's onefamilytogether.org. Did um, did did Aaron meet one family immediately? Like how how soon did he and the organization, after he sustained all these injuries, form a relationship? Well, not not um, um, Aaron's family had met one family immediately as soon as uh, Aaron was injured. One family was at the hospital at his bedside. I'm not necessarily taking care of him because the doctors obviously were doing that, right. but caring for his wife and his parents and his in-laws um, right from the beginning and has stayed a part of their lives ever since, five years later. And he literally was married just a few days before, right? Yeah, he was married a couple of days before and then um, received the phone call and um, went to uh, duty. Unbelievable. So uh, essentially, I guess at some point, Someone either put him up to the challenge or suggested he would never be able to, you know, run at full throttle with full regular activities. Right? I, I guess, I guess at some point they were extremely hopeless in terms of him getting back to normal. Oh, they were completely hopeless that he would ever um, have a normal life and be able to function, especially in the way he's functioning now. Um, so we, he gives all the credit to his doctors and the one who pushed him actually to run the marathon 
is our very special guest that you'll be speaking to shortly. Yeah, that whole thing that whole thing is unbelievable, which we'll get to in a minute, and we'll find out how he did yesterday and all that. Michelle Napel is with us live via telephone. We are talking about this story that it seems everyone is being inspired by for good reason. Uh, Aaron Karov injured in Gaza in 2009 and yesterday in the New York City Marathon. Um, so, so it's now a period of, um, of over four years that one family and his family have had this relationship. I mean, can you describe, I know it's hard because it's probably a, a tremendous amount, but can you describe some of the things that one family does in a case like this to help a family along and hold their hand for so many years? And how, how would it compare to other cases that your organization has been involved with? Well, I think that every case is different, and what one family does and what they're so incredible about doing is seeing what each and every individual and each family's um, needs, whether it be hand-holding, like you said, whether it be financial aid, whether it be um, emotional um, assistance that they might need, therapies that they might need, just introducing them to other people that are in a similar situation. Um, and we really look at everyone um, individually to see what they need. In Aaron's case, it was bringing meals to the family when they were... Um, at his side at the hospital, making sure, taking care of at home, making sure that they didn't have any worries except to focus on Aaron's care and on his uh, rehabilitation. Unbelievable. I can only imagine how much work he put in to get this done. Must be incredible. Hello? Uh, the, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying. Hi, okay, sorry. I'm just saying I can only imagine how much work he put in to get to this point. Oh, it's incredible. I mean, his, his strength and um, how he powered through his recovery is really incredible. I mean, it took a long time, and it was baby steps, as he describes, but yet yesterday he was able to accomplish something that most of us could never think of accomplishing. And I'm going to introduce our special guest uh, who's sitting beside Michelle. Um, uh, just a reminder, everybody, OneFamilyTogether.org is the source for stories like this one and so many others. OneFamilyTogether.org. Michelle is director of the United States Operations, and if your school or any organization wants to... Uh, pair with them and helping families that are in need uh, who are trying to take care of victims of terror. Uh, she would be a very good resource. Uh, Yitzhaka Jackson is with us. Yitzhaka Jackson is the wife of the surgeon who is given credit for saving Aaron's life, Dr. Steve Jackson. Yitzhaka, welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning. Thank you very much for having me on board. Uh, so first of all, there <laughs> just to be married to somebody who's responsible for saving uh, the life of Aaron must be pretty amazing, that's for sure. How did you get involved to the point that you became his running partner, meaning Aaron's running partner, yesterday in the New York City Marathon? Um, yes, it is amazing to be married to Stephen Jackson. He's an amazing doctor and trying his best to really help um, Patients and especially terror victims. Um, I met Aaron three six months ago when I heard him speaking at uh, giving a speech in one of the shows in Ranana, and I was very surprised to see the way he looked. He wasn't the skinny guy that I knew from stories in the media. Uh, in front, he was uh, it was looked like very lifeless, very heavy, and I felt I should call him right after his speech. And um, I asked him, how are you? Uh, since uh, Stephen was in touch with Aaron uh, for the years and they needed each other for all kinds of medical issues, Aaron needed Steve. So um, I spoke to him and he, I got a full speech of apologies and explanations about the difficulties that he's having since 
he started his rehab. And um, I suggested him to just join me to the running group that I'm, uh, I was running with and uh, starting getting back uh, to shape and in control. And he took you up on the offer. <laughs> um, it wasn't so easy. The truth is I gave him a speech about the essence of running and about the strength that he's going to give him in his rehab. And I told him, you know, running is like a therapy. This time is cheap and efficient. And every training, every practice is like a small battle. At the end, you're always going to be a winner. And at that moment, you know, you are the happiest person on earth. So, um, and beyond that, it's going to give him the physical changes that he was so hoping for. So it took a few weeks uh, to convince him to join me. Um, you know, first he had to decide that he wants, really wants that. Um, and I told him it's not enough. You really have to be there. It's not enough to dream or talk about running. Running, You really have to go out there and do it. So... Um, I knew that the minute I would uh, cross that obstacle, Aaron would start running, and that's what happened. Unbelievable. Uh, there's a lot of there's a big difference between joining a running group or trying to get into shape or trying to you know make oneself happier yeah. by pursuing this, and then going for the New York City Marathon. <laughs> at what at what point yeah. did that become a reality that you could actually run in the New York City Marathon? Um, the truth is we were working together in a running group and after a month Aaron said to me I don't think it's good enough for me I just need one-on-one -on -one, uh, help and I just took him uh, under my wings and uh, we started to work together I was planning to come to New York to the marathon uh, just for fun and I just you know in one of our trainings there we were talking I said to him you know you're doing very well and I'm going to New York in five months. What do you say about joining me? You know, it's polite. And he looked at me and said, are you nuts? And after two minutes, he said, you know what? If you're nuts, I'm more. <laughs> and uh, I can do it. I want to try. And we started to work together. Um, very intensive uh, training. And it wasn't easy. We had to up many times, Stephen had to take care of all kinds of medical issues in the middle. We weren't sure we were going to get here safe and sound and be able to run and finish. And um, and that's it. So it was a very intense uh, six-month uh, bond. Don't tell us what happened yesterday yet. Yitzhaka Jackson is with us live via telephone. She's the wife of the surgeon who saved Aaron Karov's life. After he was injured in 2009, Operation Cast Lead, they did not think he'd make it at all. And he actually, as you heard the story, started training months ago and actually ran the New York City Marathon yesterday. Um, Yitzhaka is a marathoner, right? Yesterday was not your first marathon, right? You've done this before. I, yeah, I did it before, but yesterday was completely different. Because you know, I wanted to... Um the last few months of training, I prepared myself for the worst. Uh, Aaron was not willing to give up. He was very ambitious, and he really wanted to get here and do it and finish. And I just uh, knew that I had to prepare myself completely different, and I carried extra weight to familiarize myself with how um, it's going to be in real medical equipment, uh, extra special drinks that runners have to use during the run. And um, we, we 
came to the starting point in Staten Island very early in the morning. With the weather was very challenging, very hard. Uh, but we started to run, and as I said to him, we have a deal. You have to not trying to die again here. You promised me you have experience to doing that. So let's just have fun and go through it and enjoy and see New York through our run, and that's what we were doing. Um, we were running, talking. Uh, we had to stop a few times because he wasn't feeling that some things came up through the run, but we took some rest and we continued. What is, what is your typical marathon time? What do you typically run? Um, <laughs> runners not supposed to say that because you know they're always aiming for less. Well, it's a, it's um, a, it's around what it's it's, it's, it's under it's, it's under it's, it's under three it's under four it's under five what's it usually? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like forty minutes under. Yeah, close to forty minutes under. Yeah. Un, under what? Under four? No, no, no. <laughs> under the time that uh, we did it. Now, what I'm asking is what the, I'm asking you, typically a marathon will take you, what, three hours, four hours, five hours, like around what? Less, less, less. Even less, even less than that, even less than three hours? Yeah. Okay. So you're with him yesterday, and you have all these stops and obviously a lot of concerns. You just discuss the extra medical equipment and different things you have to carry with you just in case something happens. You make this deal with him. How does he do? When does he get to Central Park? Um, we got to Central Park after four hours. Right. And it was great because the weather was a bit better, but the wind was slowing us down. Um, it was very hard to run against the wind. Uh, but, um, you know, at the 38K, I said to him, you know what, kid, you did it. It's all yours now. If you want to speed, if you want to do it a bit different, I knew one family is waiting us, and all the gang are going to cheer us up. So I know he's going to have a tremendous support. And I said, if you want to go ahead, it's fine. For me, it was very hard to run so slow. You're doing more steps, and it's very tiring. Um, and that's what it did. I was just felt like mother hand. Unbelievable. I am getting goosebumps listening to this. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 FM, around the world on the web, jmdm.org. I'm getting goosebumps just listening to this. So did one family, <laughs> did one family have a big group cheering them on for the last few hundred yards? One family was unbelievable. They all were waiting there uh. at the finish line, very close towards the finish line, with big signs, cheering, screaming, calling. It was yes, definitely. It was it, it? It must have been the most unbelievable celebration. I mean, especially with with the shadow of doubt that was hovering over you. You weren't sure he'd be able to complete it. It must have been the most amazing. Definitely, definitely. We couldn't do it without him. Without them, we couldn't, couldn't. The fact that I knew that they're all waiting for us there was a tremendous, tremendous help and support and gave us such a good feeling that we can count on them and just help us to take us through the last miles. Yes, definitely. Do we have the photos yet of him crossing the finish line? Um, <laughs> we have to look at the official uh, marathon site. I don't think so. I don't, not yet. I'm sure we'll have those, right? Yes, definitely. When does he when does he go back to Israel? He's going back tonight. Unbelievable. Going back tonight. And he's going to have a hero's welcome over there as well. I'm sure. <laughs> We're getting ready for that too. Yes, definitely. Unbelievable. Aaron Karov who was injured in Operation Cast Lead and 
many people were convinced that he would not make it. Uh, not only did he make it and sustain all these injuries and overcome them, but months ago he uh, got into amazing shape under the uh, friendship and leadership of Yitzhaka Jackson, the wife of the surgeon who saved Aaron's life, Dr. Steve Jackson. And Yitzhaka, who's with us on the telephone, guided him through the whole process, ran with him yesterday in New York City, and in under four hours, they completed the New York City Marathon, and one family, of course, was there to celebrate. They've been with the uh, the Karov family since all this uh, ter- all these terrible things happened right after his wedding when he went to, to Operation Cast Lead. Uh, Yitzhaka Kolakavod, what can I say? Thank you. Thank you so much. Unbelievable. You so much. Unbelievable what you did. Let me speak to Michelle for one more minute. Michelle um, uh, Napel is the director of United States Operations for One Family. Michelle, were you there yesterday? I was there. Yes, I was standing there cheering him on with balloons, and we were serving tea and cookies to all of our uh, Team One Family cheerleaders, and it was such an exciting thing. To see I, f- I feel so bad. I feel bad for the other people who ran for your organization. Usually, you know, they're all greeted for heroes with heroes' welcomes. In this case, he probably got the majority of the attention. Well, he definitely got a lot of attention, but all of our athletes are so special to us, and we appreciate everyone that participates in each and every race that we take. Uh, part of um and they're all fabulous and they do such a great job fundraising for us and enabling us to care for the victims of terror in israel by um, that i am sure i just uh i could just imagine how everybody was uh, watching him so closely yesterday that must have been amazing watching him head toward the finish line you'll it have those so incredible absolutely incredible i assume you'll have those photos up for everybody real soon right we will have those photos up. We have some photos already posted on our Facebook page um, to see him with his arms raised high, a huge smile on his face as he ran by us. Um, so it was really incredible. So if you'd like to see those, please you know, go to our Facebook page, which is One Family Together, um, and you can look at photos of Aaron. Are you kidding me? I'm heading to that page right now. You go right now, Nakam. They're incredible. I am going right now. I, I heard this story from Yitzhaka. I am sitting here with a big smile on my face. It must have been the most unbelievable day in New York City for you guys. It really was unbelievable. Uh, everybody out there, go to onefamilytogether.org, onefamilytogether.org, about all the information regarding one family. This story has been well documented by a lot of newspapers and uh, media sources. We're the only ones, as far as I know, that have done the story after the fact with the results for you and the uh, incredible uh, feeling of uh, joy and uh, celebration that went on yesterday in Central Park when uh, Aaron Karov... Uh, across the finish line at the New York City Marathon. Michelle, best regards, everybody, one family, and thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having us, Malcolm. Uh, OneFamilyTogether.org. Congratulations, Aaron. Unbelievable. What a story, huh? Maybe it's not so crazy when I say one day I could actually run a marathon. Look what Aaron did. From the depths of despair comes back and pulls this off. Unbelievable. Eight minutes after 9 o'clock, it's JM and the AM. Reminder, coming up at uh, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, Eastern Standard Time, we should say, on the stream at jmandtheam.org, the Israel Show. Mayor Weingarten is going to... uh, He's going to have a bunch of stuff. He writes, a Kuwaiti newspaper reported Wednesday of a deal in the works. Israel gets new information on Ron Arad in exchange for Iran, receiving information on four of their diplomats missing in Lebanon since 1982. What new information is Israel looking for? We'll reveal the surprising answer based on a report by Mossad insider journalist Ronen Bergman. Now and then looks back 38 years ago to the infamous Zionism as racism resolution. Hear the voices of Chaim Herzog, Daniel Patrick Moynihan, 
and President George H.W. Bush. On the same theme, the Hasbara highlight features the U.N. versus Israel, a five-minute primer by the d- director of the Turo Human Rights Institute, plus the uh, usual Israeli music mix, including more great Israeli dance class selections. Stay tuned right after JM. And make sure to like the page, The Israel Show with Mayor Weingarten. Like the page on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash The Israel Show, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. That's between 9 and 10, followed by Tech Talk. Michael Fragan between 10 and 11 Eastern Time on our stream and nowhere else. JM and the AM.org.
JM in the AM with Aryeh Kunstler. I know it's Rosh Chodesh. I know we don't really say Al Naros Bavel, but hey, <laughs> after an interview that had to do with somebody in Israel, I felt like playing in Meshkachech Yerushalayim. Monday morning on this Rosh Chodesh morning with 32 degrees, mostly sunny, and a high temperature of 48. Someone said that it's the first time we're at 32 degrees since, I think it was March 23rd or something. Oh, gosh. Don't worry, the temperature is supposed to warm up a little bit this week. It's usually Sukkot around. Well, no, it's usually a little bit after Sukkot already. Can you believe Hanukkah's three weeks away? <laughs> it's usually just post-Sukkot at this time. Monday mornings, we head back to school and back to work. want to thank everybody for tuning in. We're now on Daylight Savings Time, so a seven-hour difference between us and the Holy Land. Yitzchak Saflis is with us live via telephone. The Dirshu Shabbos Chizuk Lelomde Torah is taking place this weekend. A couple of very important notes. Number one, we are going to carry the uh, presentation from Dirshu right after Shabbos on our stream at jmandtheam.org. So anybody who wants to hear the message from Dirshu and their big Shabbos Chizuk, um, no problem. This Shabbos, they'll be gathered in the uh, big Dirshu Shabbos right after Shabbos. I don't know what time, right after when everyone agrees Shabbos is over. Uh, they're going to start a presentation. ZK is going to be there. He's going to make sure it's on our stream at jmnam.org. So you could hear it right after Shabbos, and it'll go for, I don't know, an hour or two. And as long as it goes, it'll be on. So I thank our friends from Deershu. We'll be doing that uh, Saturday night right after Shabbos ends. You could just go to our stream or to our listen line at 212-419-4241. It'll be archived on our site under special programming. So I thank Deershu for getting us involved in that. We get to provide great programming the second Shabbos ends, which is pretty cool. Yet another dream of mine realized. The second thing is that the event is sold out. <laughs> which I, I was joking with Yitzchak Saffles. I can think of a lot of weekends that will sell out. But even in our community, thank God, even a Shabbos of Chizuk for Lom De Torah, for those who study Torah and do it very seriously, in this case, is sold out from Bottom Line Marketing Group in Brooklyn, New York. Yitzchak Saflis is with us live via telephone. Yitzchak Saflis, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning and a good chaydish. A good chaydish to you. I would bet, I would bet, when you first um, uh, made plans to be with us this morning, you were probably thinking that when you're on, you know, we'll discuss the last minute details about the event. You know, the last rooms that are available, encourage people to come, et cetera, et cetera. Did you ever suspect that you'd walk into this a couple of weeks beforehand and it would be completely sold out? Well, once you're putting me on the spot, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be honest. When we took the hotel, for whatever reason, we had research. As you know, picking a hotel that's, uh, that also works out with every detail, right. according to the Hilcha Shabbos, et cetera, is not that simple. Right. We wound up taking a hotel that I believe was double the size of last year. So there's no question that there was uh, some risk involved in, in taking at such a hotel, and Dirshu was gratified and, and shocked when literally around three weeks after it was announced, it was full. And in fact, many of the people calling into the Dirshu office, the American, North American office in Lakewood, uh, were, if I may say, were a bit upset actually, like, why didn't you know, why didn't you realize, why don't you take even a bigger place? Wow. And to which we answered, well, uh, you know, we apologize. We don't have Rocha Kaidish. I mean, <laughs> we apologize about that. It's unbelievable. Let's start backwards for a second. Is it, when I say is it really sold out, meaning I know you were taking some satellite locations, is anything available right now for Shabbos? 
No, it, it's it over. really isn't. We, we, so we, even, we had even looked this... into a hotel which is, seems as very close proximity and wouldn't be a problem for people to walk over over Chavez. Um, we were able to get a block of some rooms that were available in that hotel. We were not able to secure that entire hotel, especially at this at this late hour in the game. So, but we were able to get a small block, and those were quickly filled up. And that's it. But, so essentially, it's 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 over. Yeah, I mean, there's still a waiting list, I believe, of around two to two hundred and fifty names. By the way, Deershoe's office. If someone does want to try to contact them and see if they can get on that waiting waiting list, it says seven three two. Uh, nine eight. Oh no! Excuse me. That that would be the fax number. What would be the Deershoe office number? So the, now it's very interesting because in the actual brochure and the ads, we're not listing the number at this point. Because ah, I got gotcha. you. They can't take any calls. <laughs> it's too much already. <laughs> yeah, I mean they would love to accommodate, but they they they're, they're just working on all the last minute details, and there's just no way of accommodating any guests who want to come on site. Which is why we took out. Uh, really, we knew how important it was to be on your airwaves. Right after Shabbos, for those that want to join, at least they could join by uh, by tuning in. All right, and um, if, if they feel they're going to miss everything, at least this way they don't miss everything because the Matzah Shabbos right. program is going to be on the stream. We'll have it on jmnam.org. Yitzhak Saflis is with us live via telephone. All right, so again, working our way backwards, now we know that it's essentially sold out. I'm sure there are a lot of listeners that want to know why. What is so special about a Dirshu Shabbos like this? That has created such a demand. I mean, in fact, a lot of our listeners may not even realize what Deershu is doing all year round. So it's like we turn to you and explain all of this, please. Okay, thank you. Uh, number one is regarding Deershu. So Deershu represents, a, a, in, 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 a, in a nutshell, if we could try to put it that way, sure. for those Lamde Taira out there that are committing themselves in a very serious way, usually in the form of taking tests, on a regular basis. There are many different levels, many different tracks, both for Gemara and Halacha. So therefore, the convention is, is if you will, a, a way that people can get together, get chizik from one another, and from the G'dayli Yisrael who will be in attendance, which include Rev. Ruvain Feinstein Shlita, Rev. Yisrael Sorotskin Shlita, Rev. Mechel Steinmetz Shlita. There's, in fact, a Gadol coming in from Eretz Yisrael, Hagoyen Rav Shmuel Yaakov Bornstein, he's Rosh Hashiva of Kiryat Melech, um, in 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 Eretz Yisrael, so there there is a great uh, among many other gedolim, and the camaraderie in the room and the chizik that people get from each other, and not to mention even from the wives, the wives who give up great mysterious nefesh when a when a husband is studying for a bechina, right. everything else in the house, everything else in the family uh, around him, his free time is put into learning into preparing for those bechinas. You got to send me a sample of these bechinas. I got to see it. It's it's unreal. <laughs> they're and tough. I, I know they're tough. And and shared some of the letters that that Deershu gets on a regular basis from people out there, and and even in 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 regular. In fact, uh, a few weeks ago there was uh, there's columns all the time in in in, in magazines and newspapers where people then refer to how Deershu has changed their lives, and it just comes up incidentally. Ami Magazine had had an article a few weeks ago, and it was uh, about whatever the issue was, and the person incidentally had had talked about how Dirshu changed his life because the commitment that he had to that he had to commit to in order to in order to take those bachinas on a regular basis the I don't want to say the pressure because it's it's a it's a schus that the person has because I mean ultimately we're going to have to uh, take the test upstairs one day <laughs> so these people certainly preparing for that but the commitment that they put in 
is, is unreal, and the wives deserve tremendous chizik as well, and they will receive that as well from many different noted Rebbitsons that will be at the Shabbos. Uh, Yitzchak Savlis with us live via telephone. So, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to piece it together about the attraction for this Shabbos to be as oversold as it is, but I guess they've gotten to the point, dear Shu, after all these years, where they just have a tremendous number of people that have made this commitment and, you know, want to get together and celebrate it, essentially. Yeah, I mean, in the rank and file in America, there are many thousands between Dafiyemi wow. Bahalacha, that's a halacha program, between Kenyan Taira, Kenyan Shas, Chazar Sashas, they're Kenyan Halacha. There are many different tracks and many different programs, and really essentially reaching to every segment in Kla Yisrael. So that's what they always wanted to be, a serious Torah study program that would just encourage more and more people to seriously study Torah. Simple as that. Correct, correct. That, that, that's their... MO, as they say. Um, are there people coming in from outside the New York, New Jersey area? Yes. They're uh, quite a contingent from Canada. Wow. Again, some from America as well, some from England. There is already a number of people coming in from England, um, and certainly from all points across America. So for those who are frustrated that they can't actually be there this Shabbos, should we start announcing when the next one's going to be? <laughs> <laughs> or, or does it usually take a year to get to the next year through well, Shabbos? we'll have to stay tuned to the Nachum Siegel Show to get the information. <laughs> does it ever happen more than once a year, or is it always once a year? <laughs> For now, it's once a year. <laughs> and do they have weekday events? Do they have any type of get-togethers that are dedicated to Torah study uh, when it's not Shabbos, or they don't do that? Uh, Actually, not really, because the other time the people are busy studying and preparing for <laughs> Bechinnis. That's right. <laughs> and Bechinnis take place. Anyone could join at any time, and there are locations across North America and throughout the world. In fact, I just have to get this in. Sure. There are many people that they take the Bechinnis, they take it religiously every 30 days, right. especially the people in the Dafiami track. Right. And if they're traveling to Eretz Yisrael, they then find out the testing sites in Eretz Yisrael, so they'll take certain tests in Eretz Yisrael and then never miss a, 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 never miss a test during the entire cycle. It's just. unbelievable. Yeah. That, look, I don't want to sound that surprised because you know I am pro Torah studies. So I don't want to sound, <laughs> but it's unbelievable. People go out of the way to want to be tested in a very comprehensive fashion so that they gain the most and get the most out of their Torah study. I think it's amazing. It is amazing, and and to the level of seriousness that people take it, I mean, it's been told over to, with, within the issue, there are people that when it came to when they worked out their children's chasana, let's say they had to work it out, on a, and it worked out on a Sunday night. They take the machina into account? And they can't, yeah, there were times when either the father snuck out, or they would work out, they said, listen, we just can't make it on this night because I have a dirshu b'china. It's that level of seriousness. Oh, these people are very, very serious. Kolakavot to everybody. And you'll be there this Shabbos, right? Yeah, I certainly look forward to it. Very much look forward we are, to it. We and, are... and humbled by it. Unbelievable. We are uh, we are going to feature on a Saturday night on Matzah Shabbos uh, the program that'll start literally after Havdalah over at Deer Shoes. If you're paying careful attention to the jmnam.org web stream, you'll have it on the web this coming uh, Saturday night, and it'll go until it ends. If it ends seven thirty, ends eight o'clock, whenever the program ends, uh, that's when uh, we'll be um, a webcasting from Deer Shoe, and obviously it'll be archived. You'll be able to access it, and of course you can do it on the stream on our app. You can go to the listen line, 212-419-4241. All those methods will have it right after Shabbos, uh, this coming Matzah Shabbos from Dirshu. And um, I know you're not giving out an information phone number regarding Shabbos. That I understand. Do you want to give out a, any type of information regarding those who now have discovered that this exists, that Dirshu exists, and want to you know, join in, want to pick up a track and get started? 
Well, there certainly there is going to be some advertising that's going to begin shortly thereafter because there is a um, specifically one of the programs, Dafa Yemi Bahalacha. Right. There were many gedolim that had sent in letters uh, promoting and encouraging people to participate in the Shabbos, and they also talked about the importance of learning halacha. Right. And Dafa Yemi Bahalacha in this cycle of learning Mishnah Brura is going to be starting Chelak Vav. That's a great opportunity for people to, as they say, join in for the home stretch of Mission Brewer, and it's starting on December 24th. So if anyone wants to join, there is a phone number. It's 888-5-DIRSHU, okay. 888-5-DIRSHU, and there will be advertising, there will be promotion for people to join at this uh, incredible opportunity to join for Chelek Vav of Mission Brewer, and then through the end, which uh, there are no details being discussed yet, but... There is a very exciting Siam Imrit Hashem being planned. You're not surprising uh, everybody by uh, giving a bachina the second they show up on Friday, are you? No. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't we, be fair, you know. <laughs> everyone everyone has to commit on their own. We don't force anyone to, uh, to join. But certainly everyone that has joined inevitably will always come back and say, in the beginning, by the first bachina, the second bachina, they just don't know how they did it. But after they commit, they say life is different. Life is different. They just the 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 atayr, the hasmada, the commitment. They just life is different. Eight 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 five Deershu for information. Eight 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 five Deershu. The big Deershu Shabbos will feature guidance from uh, Torah giants on so many different things this coming weekend, and obviously on the topic of Torah study primarily. Everybody is. Uh, Invited to listen in on our stream right after Shabbos at jmnam.org on the listen line on the apps. Uh, we'll have uh, ZK there and he will make sure to uh, air all that's happening at the Deershoe program on Saturday night. Uh, Shabbos, nothing we could do at this point. It's a completely sold out Deershoe Shabbos. We say kolakavod to everybody at Deershoe and a big kolakavod to everybody who is utilizing their system to seriously pursue the study of Torah on so many different levels in a very serious manner. Yitzchak Saflis, Kolakavod to you. Enjoy Shabbos, and thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thank you so much, Nachum. The Big Dershu Shabbos is coming up. This is JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. Monday morning, Rosh Chodesh. Yaakov Shweki with Aleinu here at J.M. in the A.M. Rosh Chodesh today, election day tomorrow. Are they equal? No, they're not equal, but hey, they're important. Rabbi Josh Przanski is here. Rabbi Przanski is uh, the regional director of the OU Advocacy Center, Union of Orthodox Jewish Congregations of America. Um... 
Rabbi Josh Przanski, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. Pleasure to be here as always. Sorry for being distracted. Something just happened to my computer and I can't figure out what's going on. But hey, it's live radio. You never know what may happen. You know what always confuses me? What? You would think in our tradition, if there's one thing everybody would do, would be to vote. It, it is. Forget about all the, you know... You like this guy, you don't like that guy, you like this woman, you don't like this woman, and you're, you know, deciding who to vote. Forget all that stuff of who you're voting for. I would think, like someone said to me the other day, I found this intriguing. Someone was unfortunate, I'm being serious now for a second, unfortunately very bitter about, uh, about the Jewish observance. Okay, they're having their issues, people do have issues. So I said, so, you know, I mean, thank God you're still in the fold, so to speak. Why are you in the fold? He says, you know why I'm in the fold? Because I saw the sacrifice that my parents, grandparents, and I read our sources, their great grandparents. They, you know, if everybody in my line, in my lineage, made such a sacrifice for the Jewish people, I, I'm just, I'm not leaving so fast. I sort of, and I know it's a terrible comparison, but you understand the comparison. I sort of look at it the same way. After centuries of our ancestors dying to have a right to vote. Dying to be involved in the, dying to be taken seriously as a community and not just be oppressed and, and, and harmed, you know, politically and physically. Just dying to be part of it. I would think that every single person, even the 18 year olds, would be running to the polls if you're even somewhat familiar with our tradition, somewhat familiar with our history. And we see so much, uh, you know. Apathy. Yeah, apathy. So we, we see tremendous, you know, people just don't care. I'll tell you, I just wrote a, 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 an op-ed. It was printed in this past week's uh, Jewish Link of Bergen County, Middlesex County, uh, Jewish Times, and the Lakewood Shopper. And that probably goes to about 50,000 homes between the three. Uh, 30,000 homes, I'm sorry, between the three. And I made that point. last About two weeks ago, we had a special election here in New Jersey for right. uh, U.S. Senate. Right. The state turnout was 24%. I'm shocked it was that large. It was, yeah. It was a Wednesday. First time in the history of New Jersey. It's on a Wednesday. Right. Obscure election. Our community, I took a tell. I said, let's compare two communities. Passaic voted at 22%. Wow. Lake uh, Teaneck, the Orthodox, I'm talking about the Orthodox districts right. in, these, in these towns, voted at 32%. Hmm. So should we be cheering for Teaneck now that they were 8% above the state average? Right. Or should we say that two-thirds of every Jew in Teaneck, of, of the Jewish community in Teaneck, did not bother to come out to vote for a person who's one of our two representatives in the U.S. Senate? And right now we're talking about budget cuts. We're talking about yeah. aid to Israel, amongst other issues of importance to the community. Yeah, the Senate covers everything. Yeah. <laughs> two-thirds of our community did not bother to come out to vote in Teaneck. It's worse than in, in, in uh, Psaic. So I, I see this, this voter apathy taking place around our community, especially here in New Jersey where I focus on. And, and this is something that if we expect change, we, we can't expect it happening around the right. Shabbos table and in the Shabbos park. Understood. It has to take place at the polls. Right, but again, and I, and I know people understand this point, but I must make it again. Again, if you think they're all liars, because there are people who just, you know, I can't believe anything any politicians. Okay, they're all liars. You know, mm -hmm. fine. Or if you think that there's no one good out there. Or you think it won't make a difference. You know, the old, you know, I go to work the next day no matter what, that whole routine. But just get out there and vote. Just get out there. And, and by the way, you know, I'll give you an example. There are a lot of people frustrated with the New York City mayoral race. You probably know that. There are a lot of people frustrated. They don't like the choices. Hey, there are a lot, you know, people don't realize there are a lot of choices. There are a lot of people running. And not just the Democrat and Republican. There are other, 
So if, you, if it need be, so take a third-party candidate. That's your protest vote. But at least you are counted as a voter. That's correct. You heard Councilman Greenfield say right. here earlier today, they count every vote. They know who every voter is. They know where you live and what street you live on. And the fact is, like I tell people, and I thought about this last night during my and I, I made this announcement in my show afterwards. Imagine when you were in high school and you had a multiple-choice exam, and you didn't know the answer <laughs> to the question. So a lot of kids, they leave it blank. And the teacher says, at least take a guess. You have a 25% chance of getting it right. <laughs> when it comes to voting, just go in there. I will tell you personally, many times I was not satisfied with the candidates. I wrote in Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, Goofy. Sometimes I wrote in friends of mine just to make a protest. You know, vote. if you're already there writing in names, you could write in Nahum Siegel, you know. All right, you're in next. I have a race in my well, town. I might well, just put you well, in. Well, I would hope you've matured since then, Robert Brzezinski, and you're writing in real people at this point, <laughs> and not, not cartoon characters. That's I right. Hope. I want to take, I want, I want more of a, more of a choice, more of a chance of winning. <laughs> Rabbi Josh Brzezinski is here. You literally stop by today with this message like this is it everybody get to the polls tomorrow that's the whole message listen in the state of new jersey we have an election like this once every four years you have a gubernatorial race and even though wait 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 there's, there's a gubernatorial race tomorrow yes guy there... chris christie versus uh wait a second yeah. he's running this year you couldn't, can't believe it huh well i would think if he was running this year he would have reached out to jm and the am at some point that's yeah. funny he must have a large lead then does he have a very, very large lead well, in the polls? Well, according to today's polls, yeah. uh, I just looked at it on the way up. There were three polls that came out. One yeah. was the Monmouth poll where he's up by 20. The Rutgers Eagleton poll has him up by 36. Oh, wow. And the Quinnipiac poll has him up by 28, which is in between the other two. Interesting. So the average, say, 28-point lead. So many people might say, you know, why bother voting? But you know what? There's a lot of other elections tomorrow. You have I the e- entire state legislature. Every senator, every assembly person is up for election tomorrow. And there are certain districts that are competitive districts, including... Two with there's only three real competitive districts. Two of them have significant Jewish Orthodox Jewish populations. Look at District 38 in North Jersey, which consists of Bergenfield and uh, Fairlawn and Paramus. That's and New a Milford. senator assembly race. That's both. Senate Both and, Senate Senate, and that's a very tight race. And also in District 18, which is Edison Highland Park in East Brunswick, is another tight race. No, but what I'm saying is both in both places are tight? In both places are tight. Wow. There's three competitive districts. The way they redistricted the state, there's very mm. few competitive races. But those two, and along with District 14, are the three most competitive races in the state. And we have an opportunity not only to vote for the numbers, but we can make a difference. In an election that could have an, an, a difference of 2,000 votes, we have more than 2,000 voters in each of those districts. Right, understood. All right, it's a special attention if they're in those areas. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, everyone just got to get to the polls. They must get to the polls. They must vote. Listen, I have here on this card that I showed you You before. know that if the governor realizes that there's a massive number of Jewish people in the state of New Jersey who are voting for him, he might decide to come out to JMN one day. You realize well, I would think that. Hopefully that's a second term, uh, <laughs> one of his goals in the second yeah, term. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I have a card out here, Nachum, just to change the topic a little bit. No, 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 I like this topic. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm changing it. It says, we need 100% participation. Participation. Right. We say be a somebody and vote because if you don't vote, we won't be heard. The On issues like? Every issue. It could be the issue of educational affordability, getting money for the schools. It could be an issue of marriage. It could be an issue of, of any other religious accommodation issue or a property tax, whatever issue it might be. If we don't vote, if every individual doesn't feel that they have their need to vote for themselves, at least they should do it for their community. Let me ask you a question. If there's such voter apathy in our state, in our community, why was your legislative breakfast sold out? 
It was sold. Are, to, are they the only? It's like New York Rangers hockey. There are only twenty thousand fans in New York. It's, <laughs> is that it? The six hundred people that really care are the ones who showed up, and nobody else cares. I would think first of all, the six hundred people that showed up were the ones uh, from you know close up in Bergen County where it was held. Uh, we had a, a speaker like the governor who always draws. But more importantly, I think people are becoming more attuned to the importance of voting. I'll tell you, in the last year, we brought a 1,000 people from the community to their legislators. A 1,000. We had events. What, on separate trips to Washington or, or no, visiting no, in Jersey? Here in Jersey. Jersey really? legislators with Jersey community people. I'd we, like to join that next trip to Jersey City. I'm, I'm not a constituent. Jersey, but I, you are in Jersey City. No, but I'm not a constituent. <laughs> but you're always welcome. I you can't the, vote here. You have the largest Jewish show in New Jersey, right. as far as I know. So, so can is, we... So can you, we are, uh, you are on. You're, you're you want to walk over to City Hall with me after this? It's right down the block. See, fault knocking his door. Yeah. Jewish day school student. That's correct. Yeah. So and a nice fellow. For, oh, did he run yesterday in the New York City Marathon? I wonder if he ran yesterday. I didn't, I, he didn't let me know. I'm he sorry. was in Runner's World magazine, you should know. He's, he's a very he's good a real runner. He's a Marine, ex-Marine. Correct. So he's and there's a rumor flying around here, by the way, on yeah. Montgomery Street. Yeah. Because City Hall, folks, is at the corner of Montgomery and Marin. The back, Marin, the right. back end of City Hall right. is Montgomery and Marin. I forgot what the other side is. Anyway, Grove. I think it's Grove. Mm-hmm. The, other side. the rumor is that a former president of the United States is coming here to Jersey City to meet with the current mayor. That's how much of a superstar they're considering the current mayor of Jersey City. Is that former president in a book with a rabbi from... Uh, very possible. Oh, very nice. So uh, that's good. Listen, he's a major player, and, and people are touting Yeah, it's time name. to bring him over here tomorrow. Do me a favor. Stop by on your way tomorrow. Okay. I'll You're going to Lower Manhattan anyway tomorrow, right? No, I, Where are you heading My office is in Teaneck. It's in Teaneck? That's uh, right. So on your way to Teaneck, do me a favor. <laughs> Pull him out of City Hall the and bring him over. traffic is anything like it is today. It ain't <laughs> happening. Forget about it. And we have to start putting Tillin on him every day. I volunteered with everybody Kanelski to go on over to City Hall and <laughs> put Tillin on the mayor every single day. Go for it. I'm, I'll tell you. I'm getting real involved in this Jersey City community, let me tell you. Well, you should. It's growing, <laughs> leaps and bounds. Anyway, yes, you were saying. I apologize. I forgot what I was saying. What, <laughs> what am I here for? <laughs> so, so they come to the legislative breakfast. They come to they're the legislative breakfast. Yeah, it. yeah. So they're meeting the legislature. We're right. bringing people together with their legislators. We've had events throughout the state. We've, we've. Uh, I tell you personally, we've knocked on doors of thousands of voters. We've made calls from our office and our volunteers to tens of thousands of people in New Jersey. So people are hearing about it. They're seeing articles. They're getting school newsletters. The schools are getting involved. Right. The schools are getting involved. I want to. I want to give you credit for something. Yes. People had this perception that the only really active political community of our communities in New Jersey was in Lakewood. I believe you have put a lot of other communities on the map of political involvement in our state. Well, thank you, Nachum. That's something I've been trying to uh, to do. I would tell you, and when I first came to uh, Trenton, they only thought the only they thought the only Orthodox Jews in the state. Lived or, in Lakewood, correct, and they didn't realize that we have fifty thousand other Orthodox right. Jews throughout the state, and right. now they're starting to see it, and that's what's that's the importance of it. They have to hear from their constituents. They can't hear from a guy like me. That's nice. They do listen to me, but I'm one person. But when they hear this from their constituents in town after town after town, Democrats as well as Republicans are starting to go along with this agenda. They're starting to hear our problems and our issues and trying to do something about it. And I just have to put a disclaimer in. Mayor Furtick, you know Mayor Furtick. Sure, right? I know very well. Mayor Furtick sent me an, uh, an email to our staff last week. We must say that we're not, OU is nonpartisan and we don't endorse any candidates. Which is true. It's just true. But I You're want not to endorsing make candidates. You're telling not. people to get out and vote. Exactly. That's why I had to say the disclaimer. I understand. I want to keep Mayor happy. And the only candidate for governor you mentioned is the current governor, so people might think you're supporting the current governor. She's running against Barbara Buono. She's a Democrat. There you go. Thank you. Where's she from? She's from Edison. She's my senator. Very nice. Oh, really? Yep. Has she given up her seat, or she'll keep her seat? No, she was... can't run for two seats, so uh, she's, she's given it up. I mean, once she's either governor or she's uh, moving on to another. Uh... She's made the eternal sacrifice. She gave up her government yes. seat. Yes. 
Yes, wow. she has. Um, I don't know. I could say this a million times. Tomorrow morning, everybody, you're going to wake up. Think back to your grandmother, your great-grandmother, your great-great-grandmother, what they would say to you if you had the right to vote and ignored it the entire day. If during the 12, 13, 14 hours of the polls were open, you just completely ignored it. I am telling you, it would trouble them. I don't know if it would trouble them as much as, you know, avoiding other things, but it would be way up there. It would be way up there. Listen, I, in my op-ed that I mentioned before, that's something I wrote as well. Our forebears would have wished oh. would have wished they had in the last thousand, two thousand years of, of exile the opportunity to vote for their... And to have to, this kind of influence? to have this influence. That people take you seriously when you walk into the State House in Trenton, New Jersey? Give me a break. Absolutely. And I'll tell you this. One person made the comment to me that it's amazing that the immigrant communities today... They come out and vote in large numbers, and our communities don't. But I was going to ask you that question, and I don't know if it's as pronounced as in New York. Are there Russian Jewish communities in New Jersey, and do they go out and vote? Do you have any clue? if they Because I would think that people from the former Soviet Union, they would get it. Right. <laughs> they, they would get what it means to not have the right to have real influence, even if they did vote, you know what I mean, even right. if there was an election. But to not have real influence, and then they come here, I, I would hope. Uh, they're leading by example and showing people, hey, you don't know what you're missing by not voting. You don't know what you have over here. Them and uh, the many Israelis <laughs> live in New Jersey as well. Are they residents? They have the right to vote? Some I, of them are, I, I guess. I assume, yeah. Yes. You know, you just gave me a good idea. I'm going to call my Israeli friend today who lives in, uh, not Fort Lee, what's the place right next? Tenafly. Oh. Lives in Tenafly. I'm going to ask him if he's voting. I'm curious. That'll be great. Yeah. friend of mine from Israel tells me that... Um, He's coming into New Jersey for the Super He's going to be at the Super Bowl because mm-hmm. he's assigned to cover the Super Bowl, whatever. So I say to him, great, you'll come to my house that Shabbat. You know, you'll come for Friday night to Shabbat dinner. He goes, Friday night Shabbat dinner? I live in Tenafly. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't have to come to you. I said, yeah, I'm assuming that he's coming in from Tel Aviv. You know? There you go. So that's right. There is an Israeli population in the state of New Jersey. Uh, is there not? Absolutely. You can tell by all the stores. That's right. Real big stuff. The last time I did see Governor Christie... Before he decided to abandon and boycott JM and the AM. The last time I did see him. Oh, am I making it? You're right. I'm making this up. Before I assume he decided to boycott and abandon JM and the AM. I don't want to say directly that he went ahead and did that. It's just his behavior seems to be along those lines. Yes, right, I'm sorry. Maybe oh, it's his yeah. staff, not, not him. Was oh, it's got, got lost and mixed up in the low, low level oh, staff. Oh, how come nobody explains that stuff to me? <laughs> anyway, the last time I did see him. Yes. I said to him, uh, Governor, during your trip to Israel, were you at, and, and you know that the governor gives the impression that he likes to eat. You know that. He's gone on national television and made selfie facing jokes about that, that he likes to eat. That was a long time ago. Oh, whatever. <laughs> so I said, Governor, uh, did you take a liking to the, uh, Israeli food, the falafel, the shawarma, the pita bread, etc.? And he turns to me and he says, Hey, I'm from Livingston, New Jersey. I knew all about Israeli food way before I went to Israel. But I'm oh, you like That's that one, right. huh? Well, I was with him, so I saw what he was eating. <laughs> you were on the trip? I was on the trip. I was one of his official. Uh... How'd they leave me off that trip? I, you know, I'm, now that I think about it, I can't. I can't imagine. They're afraid of the media. That's what it is. He keeps low. You know, he keeps away yeah. from media. He's not, he's shy. Very low profile. Yes. Yes. Did you eat with him in a kosher restaurant in Israel or not? I, I, was there I, one I, eating? Was there one? Uh, um, uh, what's the word? Culinary encounter with the governor or not? Oh yes, absolutely. A few. Really? Yeah, it was in a nice restaurant in downtown Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. Name? Uh, I forgot, that? but I remember he was uh, having some peanuts and beer. He was into it. It was off hours, you know, and then uh, went to another restaurant. He was eating with his wife and children. Hmm. Nice buffet, fish. Interesting. Salads. Yeah. If, I, if only I would have known. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, tomorrow, 
How many more times can we say it? Not enough. Just go and vote. If you're not registered, register now so you can vote <laughs> next time. Absolutely. Just go. If you're 18 or if you're about to turn 18, do yourself a, because a lot of people, that's the mistake. They don't run at 18 to register. If they would, they'd be excited and they'd go vote immediately right after that in the first election. When they mm -hmm. put it off, it sometimes just doesn't get into their regular routine. They don't make it a habit each and every year. Right. We need people to make it a habit every single well, year. Well, so we've been in high schools. We're, at, we're encouraging students That's in right. 12th grade to register to vote. And it's important. Listen, you can't stress it enough, whether it's in New Jersey or New York or anywhere else. You have big elections coming up. They look to see who votes. Even if you don't personally care or want to do it, you have to do it for your community. Whoever you vote for, to me, it's unimportant. You know, we're not we're not pushing any specific candidate. We're just saying go out and vote. Closest state elections in New Jersey tomorrow are in Bergenfield area and Bergenfield, uh, Fairlawn, Paramus, and and uh, New Milford up north, and Edison Highland Park in East Brunswick in the center of the state. Those that have some Jewish concentration there. Yes. Rabbi Josh Brzezinski, I thank you. Thank you so much, Nachum. Everybody vote. Rabbi Josh Brzezinski is regional director for the OU Advocacy Center at the Union of Orthodox Jewish Congregations of America. He is based in Teaneck, New Jersey, and tomorrow he'll be begging every single person he sees on the street to get to the polls and cast their ballot. Nine minutes before 9 o'clock, standard time, here at JM in the AM. <laughs>
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listen to sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, around the world on the web, jamtheam.org. Wraps up a great Monday. Boy, back to school, back to work on this Rosh Chodesh morning with some very, very special guests. My thanks to Yitzhak Saflis. Great uh, preview of the Deershoe Shabbos coming up. Thanks to Josh Brzezinski. Great preview of Election Day. My thanks to uh, all the candidates who joined us this morning. A special thank you to one family. What a story about Aaron Karov, who ran in yesterday's New York City Marathon. So glad we were able to get his running partner on the air with us this morning. Um, if you missed any of it, check out the archive section, jmtheam.org. The Israel Show is next. Make sure to like the Israel Show page on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Israel Show. It's next on the stream at jmtheam.org. And Mayor Weingarten has a whole host of very cool stuff in this hour, plus Tech Talk with Michael Fragan between 10 and 11 Eastern Time. Have a fabulous Monday. Till tomorrow, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.